Hello, and welcome to our podcast interview with Sarah Brennis, Director of the Advocates for Human Rights Refugee and Immigrant Program, and Allison Griffith, Staff Attorney for the Advocates for Human Rights Refugee and Immigrant Program. Uh, my name is Tony Liu, and I am the Training and Support Attorney for the Immigration Advocates Network. We invited Sarah and Allison to talk to us today about their work with asylum seekers and how volunteers can help attorneys, the challenges they may face, and resources that are available to them. Uh, just a quick note, this is a re-recording of a podcast that we previously did with Charlie Music, our J.D. AmeriCorps Equal Justice Works intern who worked hard to bring this podcast together, but unfortunately we ran into technical difficulties last time around and Sarah and Allison have generously agreed to uh, re-record this podcast. Um, welcome to you both and thanks for talking with us today. Thanks so much for having us. First, we'll get started with um, just the general introduction, if you guys wouldn't mind introducing yourselves and um, tell us about the work you do at the Advocates for Human Rights. Sure. Uh, so my name is Sarah. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Uh, I direct our refugee and immigrant program at the Advocates for Human Rights. Uh, we are uh, based in Minnesota, but do a broad range of human rights work, both domestically and internationally. Um, our organization works with various groups to advocate on human rights issues um, on on a, a level at the United Nations and at the legislature, both federal and state, and also work with other constituents on different topics. Um, and we are part of the legal services department within the organization. So we're the one part of the organization that provides direct legal services, mostly to asylum seekers, uh, human trafficking victims and unaccompanied children. Um, what's unique to our program is we are a legal service provider, but we're committed to involving volunteers in the human rights movement. So our focus is on assisting individuals that need help and legal representation, but we try to prioritize cases that we're able to work with volunteers and engage volunteers in providing the legal services and support them along the way. Great. Great, and I'm Allison. Um, I'm a staff attorney at the Advocates, and in that capacity, I have the opportunity to work with some of the volunteers who recruit, both volunteer attorneys as well as interpreters um, and other volunteers who assist in a variety of ways on our cases um, in order to um, help close the access to justice gap for low-income asylum seekers. Um, and as Sarah mentioned, we have other programs that also work with trafficking survivors. Thanks so much. So today our main topic is uh, asylum, and um, if you guys could, could you give us a brief overview of asylum in the United States and the, the types of cases that your team handles? Sure. So the asylum process is essentially the process that an individual goes through once they've already arrived in the United States to be recognized as a refugee. So there, it's for individuals who've been persecuted and have a well-founded fear of persecution um, based on their race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership in a particular social group. So they've either been harmed in the, in the past or they fear that they might be harmed in the future based on one of those reasons. Um, the individuals that we serve come from over 50 different countries and uh, have fled a wide variety of um, persecution, including gender-based violence, uh, violence based on sexual orientation, um, political activists that are um, trying to 
um, changed the government in their country and are facing oppression as a result, religious minorities, among others. Great. And in your work, do you have uh, projects that are oriented towards uh, using volunteers to help with asylum applications? Yes, we have lots of different volunteer opportunities. As Sarah mentioned, we're a volunteer-driven organization um, and seek to work with volunteers uh, in many capacities. Uh, We work primarily with volunteer attorneys, and um, our volunteer attorneys come from both small, medium, and large firms, and the majority of our volunteer attorneys do not practice immigration in their primary uh, practice, but they receive training and support from our office to take on uh, pro bono asylum and trafficking uh, cases. And um, there are also many programs all over the country for folks who may be listening outside Minnesota and the Dakotas that offer training and support to pro bono attorneys who would like to get involved in representing asylum seekers or survivors of trafficking. And Ian has a great legal directory of uh, folks that you could connect with in your local uh, jurisdiction. We also work with volunteer interpreters and translators. We offer a training for interpreters and translators and a manual, and we can work with individuals who are fully fluent in the in English and the language uh, the asylum seeker speaks. We encourage people to get involved in that way. We also have an asylum support network locally, which uh, provides assistance to asylum seekers during the first year and uh, a half about in which asylum seekers are not authorized to work. Um, So asylum seekers cannot receive work authorization before filing their applications, and then once their application for asylum is filed, they have to wait 150 days before they can apply for a work permit. So as you can imagine, many folks are fleeing with just the clothes on their backs uh, and really struggle to meet their basic needs during those months in which they're not authorized to support themselves. So we have a network of individuals in our community who help with things like bus cards and food support and accompaniment during that period. And then we also work with volunteers who are non-attorneys in the court project, which observes proceedings for detained individuals before our local immigration courts. We have attorneys who work on assisting in bond hearings, and we provide training and support for attorneys who are interested in assisting with bond for detained individuals. And Sarah, am I forgetting any of our opportunities? The the only one other one I think I'd add is we have a national asylum helpline um, that is intended to provide a way for individuals living outside of our service area to be connected with service providers in other parts of the country. So we have volunteers, Spanish speakers, um, who currently staff that line. And then there are some other partners that we work with that have programs that have visitation at the detention facilities and do letter writing and help connect um, immigrant detainees with getting access to books. And that program's called Conversation with Friends. And then we also work with social workers and mental health providers who are interested in providing pro bono services for mental health evaluations and, in some cases, mental health therapy um, for individuals that we work with who've experienced trauma. Well, that's great. It sounds like there's a lot of ways for people to get involved if they want to. You mentioned trainings Um can you talk a little bit about the specific types of trainings that, that volunteers might need to go through in order to to effectively provide help? Sure. So for attorneys who would like to take on cases 
we would recommend that they either attend in person our Asylum Basics training that we offer twice a year. We also have recorded versions of that training on our website, so people who may have difficulty traveling to the Twin Cities to attend the training or may want to jump in before the next training are welcomed to listen to our recorded training. And we also offer topic-specific trainings on a regular basis and monthly coffee and case discussions on the first Friday of each month, which dig in in a little more detail to particular aspects of working with asylum seekers and are a great opportunity to meet peers who may be handling similar cases and to receive more specific resources from our staff and guest speakers that we invite to those trainings. We have a recorded training for interpreters, which is available anytime for folks who would like to listen to that. And we also offer a yearly in-person training for interpreters. For court project volunteers, we have training materials on our website, and we have a volunteer who runs the court project program who can answer questions regarding how to get involved. Asylum Support Network volunteers can get involved with the network, which meets regularly every few months. At each of those meetings, there's a presentation on a different issue related to asylum seekers and information about current opportunities and what our partners are doing to support asylum seekers. For social workers and mental health professionals, we have some materials developed for letters of support to the asylum office that we're happy to share. Also, we would recommend that social workers and mental health professionals speak with their colleagues to find out what trainings they have access. I know there's been some great trainings lately, and there's a training plan for September on psychological evaluations of individuals with diminished capacity or before the court that is a little bit more technical. So I would highly encourage folks to get involved in that. We also have other trainings beyond our Asylum Basics for volunteer attorneys, going back to volunteer attorneys for a moment. The Asylum Step-by-Step training is also offered every six months, and that digs in in more detail into the aspects of putting together an application for asylum, either before the asylum office or the immigration court. So what often works well for folks is to do the basic overview and then select a case to take on and then attend the asylum step-by-step training so that they have that those case facts in mind as they are learning that more detailed information. And the information just seems to stick better that way. And then they're able to use it to assist the applicant that they're serving. Great. What do you uh what would you say are some of the most important factors to consider when when working with asylum seekers and refugees? Particularly for for individuals who aren't the legal service provider but are connected through the network of support for asylum seekers, I think um it's really important even though there's a lot of interest to know what the individuals story is and what were the what's their past experience that brought them to need to seek protection in the United States, but really being careful and making sure that the the individual has the space to decide when and how they'd share that information. So being mindful of how you're connected with the person and respecting the attorney client confidentiality um, is is really important and just let your own relationship build with the 
the client if that's the the context you're working in, for example, in their accompaniment work, or, you know, if you're the interpreter really being familiar with the limitations for interpreters. I think for anyone who wants to help and support individuals, it's easy to sort of cross some of those lines without realizing you might be violating your own ethical duties in those contexts. I think it's also important to be mindful of uh, secondary and vicarious trauma and understanding how uh, walking with someone on this journey can impact you as a volunteer as well, even though you've not experienced what the individual has. Certainly, if, if someone's working with an asylum seeker for the first time, it can definitely have an impact on on the volunteer as well, depending on the, the level of involvement that you have with the individual. And also just understanding the spectrum of how individuals respond to trauma and how different um, factors related to the trauma or maybe not related to the trauma can can play out and really be mindful of trying to figure out where where the person is on their journey and have them defining what their needs might be. Um, you know, our organization really works from a perspective that's very client-driven, both in terms of the legal case and what the client's interested in doing, but also when we're connecting them with other supportive services to make sure that the client knows that they're not obligated to engage in any of these services and that it's really driven and defined by them um, to access the, the the support that's out there in a way that's meaningful and, and useful to them. And I think finally just um, really sort of working to understand the the context and um, the, the broader context in terms of both kind of the global reasons that force people from to leave their homes and um, the challenges that we as a community, a global community face and really should be tackling to create systems that do a good job of really welcoming people into our communities and finding meaningful ways for them to engage in the community. So I think really being thoughtful and engaging people that um, you work with, asylum seekers and others, to really sort of question the way that our systems are set up and, and, and hopefully find ways to make them stronger to to help individuals who have an experience as being an asylum seeker be one one part of their journey, but help them to to move on to a chapter where they're able to contribute significantly in a way that's positive for them to the to our communities. Yeah, and, and I imagine a lot of those considerations, and um, especially that that client centric approach uh, or client driven approaches, covered a lot in the trainings that you mentioned. Definitely. Okay, and can you tell us? about some of the challenges that volunteers are facing when they work with asylum um, applicants and what, how, how they can overcome them? Sure. So Sarah talked about um, being aware of vicarious trauma and then also the trauma that clients might have survived. And as she mentioned, just being aware and patient with the time it might take to build trust and understanding that you may want to have shorter meetings, um, that it, a client may, may take a while to recall the facts of what you've shared with them, particularly if they're in a situation of crisis and, or of high stress. You may need to repeat things a few times. We also have trainings on interviewing methods with uh, trauma survivors and organizations that you might work with throughout the country. We'll also have resources 
And so would highly encourage you to take advantage of those resources, particularly if you're not working with trauma survivors in your primary practice, so that you are sensitive to the best ways in which to work with a particular individual. And realizing, as Sarah said, that trauma is survived in different ways by different individuals. So for example, we have resources specifically on working with child asylum seekers that we would encourage our volunteers to take advantage of because children might experience and react to trauma in different ways than adults. Another challenge that volunteers face is that their clients may be afraid to pursue legal protections in this environment that can feel really hostile and isolating for immigrant communities. So it'll be important that you educate yourself on your client's legal rights and walk through um, practicing with your client different scenarios of how to exercise those legal rights. We have red cards available to our volunteers which uh, describe the rights of the client in a in encounter with law enforcement or with immigration. And then I think it's also important to remind individuals whom you might work with about what has changed and what has not changed. So the laws protecting asylum and um, survivors of trafficking, those have not changed. The procedures for seeking asylum have not changed. Some policies have changed, but there still are legal rights that are protected that they can pursue. And, you know, giving your your client a sense of what your plan is to help protect their rights will give them a lot of confidence that you have thought through your strategy in their case and that there's a plan for how they're going to navigate this complex system. Another challenge that volunteers may face and that some of our volunteers have shared with us is feeling overwhelmed by the many quick changes that have occurred in terms of policies of this administration in relation to asylum seekers and other immigrants, maybe potentially feeling a little overwhelmed with all of those different changes and We are putting out several resources for our volunteers, advisories on these different changes. We encourage our volunteers to reach out to us and talk to us about how their clients might be impacted. Individuals whose clients are particularly impacted will schedule check-in calls. We also connect volunteers with consulting attorneys who are experienced immigration professionals and can help them be aware how to respond. And then also remembering that the impact that those volunteers have are is enormous. So many people appear before the court and the asylum office without representation. And the statistics in terms of the difference that attorneys can make is just unbelievable for women and children before the court seeking asylum. Syracuse University's track reports indicate that there's it's 14 more times more likely that the individual will be successful if they have counsel. For children, 75% of children who've had counsel were able to remain in the United States, whereas 15% of children appearing before the court without counsel were able to remain. And in general, asylum seekers are five times more successful if they have attorneys than if they don't. And not just attorneys. I mean, in terms of people's feelings of isolation versus welcome within the community, non-attorneys can do so much. Interpreters can do so much in overcoming barriers to access to justice. And then as Sarah mentioned, there's other ways that you can get involved to accompany new immigrants in our community and help people feel welcomed and feel that they are part of this community. I want to touch a little bit on some of the changes that you mentioned um, because asylum has been receiving a lot of attention in the press lately. And you mentioned that the laws haven't changed, but uh, policies under this administration have have been shifting. And um, are there any particular policy changes that you feel like might be worthy of mention or is it um, that they're so kind of 
there are enough of them that it's kind of a deeper analysis and conversation. There's some general trends that we've seen on a relatively consistent basis in terms of policy and and really overall efforts to limit due process for asylum seekers and an attempt to narrow the definition of who um, would qualify for asylum under current laws. It's important to remember that, and, and this is part of a broader effort to really just curb the number of immigrants and refugees who are are being allowed to enter or remain in the United States. So the numbers of refugees that we resettle in the U.S. is a number that is set by the president, theoretically in consultation with Congress. Uh, so that is a number that's that's controlled and just sort of the tap has been tightened and it's just a trickle of refugees that we're resettling here in the United States. In contrast, there's no specific limit on the number of asylum applications that can be granted or individuals who can seek asylum. And we have seen a trend in part that has been due to more push factors and violence in Central America that has increased the number of Central American asylum seekers. But we've also seen trends from many years ago that really were a change in priorities in terms of funding. And there was an increase in funding on the enforcement side of immigration, but not an equal amount of funding to process cases. So what we saw as a result is a is a growing number of individuals who are waiting for their claims to be adjudicated, asylum claims and other claims in the courts or asylum claims before the asylum office. And really that growing backlog has caused the current administration to account it for just a large number of people seeking protection and, and really sort of having a policy of not wanting to offer it. So there have been different efforts to try to limit the due process protections for people that are applying for asylum at the border or people that are in immigration proceedings and might be seeking asylum or some other form of relief and really trying to rush cases through so that the the numbers are being processed, but limitations as a result on really carefully considering application. There's also been some decisions that have specifically targeted different groups of asylum seekers, in particular a case that came out earlier this year, matter of AB, is has sought to undermine claims by individuals who are being persecuted by non-state actors, which are what a lot of the claims from Central America are based on largely domestic violence and gang violence that's that's occurring in those countries. As I mentioned, there's other there have been other efforts that have received a lot of media attention, the separation of children from families, uh, from their families at the border, really as an effort to try to prevent people from seeking protection um, by forcing them into a choice of being separated from their family or foregoing the, their, their right to, to seek protection here in the United States. There are things that haven't changed. Everyone still technically has a legal right to seek asylum, and so part of our efforts and, and other advocates across the country are really fighting hard to try to achieve protection for our clients based on their substantive claim um, and what we're seeing are more challenges just for them to get the chance to to make their claim. So really working hard to try to uphold protections um, to due process and, and individuals' rights to, to seek protection. The procedures for applying are largely uh, still the same in terms of the different routes of seeking asylum before the asylum office or the immigration court and 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 really advocating for the 
the the protections that 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 do exist so everyone can have their claims um, heard carefully and can continue to access the different levels of appeals that exist in order to review claims and I think what we'll see a lot more of as it's been more difficult to achieve protection based on a lot of these policies and some of the attempts to change the laws is there'll be more litigation as a result for for individuals and part of that will mean that people will often have to wait longer for their claims to to make it through the system, but hopefully ultimately will receive the protection that they're seeking. Yeah, given the shifting kind of policy priorities of this administration, and it seems like, you know, there are a ton of challenges that volunteers working with asylum seekers face. Maybe we can shift towards the the positive aspects of this work and and talk about what uh, what volunteers find rewarding about about this work. Do you guys have any stories that uh, might inspire any listeners to, <laughs> to to rise to the challenge? Yes. Yes, we do. Um, and we have stories from volunteers in a variety of fields. And one story I'd like to highlight is a an attorney who had never done any litigation. And she was taking on the case all on her own without any support. And she worked with a client who lived in a very rural area and really struggled to get here to Minnesota to meet with the attorney. Um, the attorney was so patient and so strategic and problem-solving and spending several Saturday mornings making sure that this teenager who was completely isolated from any family support was struggling just to survive and who had survived years of abuse in home country was able to present a strong claim and also get some support in facing her current challenges. Due to this volunteer's diligence and intelligence in briefing the case, you know, I never really had written a brief of this nature before but did a fantastic job. Um, It was just so patient and kind and really got through to the client and made sure she was prepared. She won asylum for this teenager who now knows that she and her baby daughter will be safe from harm here in the United States and has recently helped that individual sister as well to find counsel. That's one story. And then there's also one more that I'll share. Uh, we had a volunteer team and a couple of the attorneys on the team had never handled an asylum case before, but they diligently learned asylum law and court strategy and built a really strong record for their clients through playing a good um, long game. They connected the child who needed to testify before the court with a therapist. That just made an incredible difference in, you know, from when I first met their child client to nine months later, she was a completely transformed kid and she was able to heal and be strong enough to withstand the court process. And they won asylum for a Salvadoran family who had sought justice uh, before the courts and been persecuted by criminal gangs in El Salvador as a result of seeking that justice. And that attorney was recently recognized as Attorneys of the Year. So really, you can have an incredible impact, life-changing impact on uh, the clients that you serve and really can use your attorney skills or your language skills or your presence in someone's life to have an incredible outcome for somebody and really allow them to rebuild their lives after surviving significant persecution. That's great. Those those are really uh, inspiring stories. And I can say from personal experience, you know, having represented asylum seekers and worked with volunteer attorneys, it's just an, an incredibly rewarding area of work. 
I just want to make sure that uh, folks listening uh, can find some of these resources and volunteer opportunities that we've mentioned. So the, your website is theadvocatesforhumanrights.org, and there's a volunteer section there as well as information about the National Asylum Helpline that you guys mentioned. And also for folks looking for volunteer opportunities, um, there's a project called Stand with Immigrants. That's uh, standwithimmigrants.org, where there are both short-term opportunities um, to volunteer as well as national and local opportunities listed. Are there other um, places that you guys might recommend, or does that cover it? I think that pretty well covers it. It's been great to see some of the other opportunities in Stand with Immigrants for some of the non-attorney work supporting asylum seekers. Um, and I think, you know, we and a lot of organizations across the country are working to try to, we know that a lot of individuals are interested in, in supporting asylum seekers and finding different ways to make those connections because I think ultimately that that is what we need as a global community is to feel connected and, and to realize that we as, as human beings are needing to see each other as, as such and support each other in the face of some of the most challenging times in, in our in our lives and to to really encourage our own uh, as as many countries are looking inward and and trying to create more barriers to migration, which has been happening as long as human history has existed. Really, those human connections on an individual level are what will help get us back to a place where we're welcoming each other in our in our communities. Great. Well, I can't think of a better note to end on, um, unless you guys have any other closing remarks or last comments. Uh, just to encourage people to get involved. Many of our volunteers have been really surprised by the incredible uh, advocacy they can do, you know, not having any relationship with immigration in their primary practice, whether with the resources and the support of our office. They have taken on these cases and succeeded on behalf of their clients. Many of them say that these cases that they worked on and the opportunity to work with asylum seekers were the most fulfilling and meaningful cases they've worked on in their lives. So as Sarah said, this is a really important moment to stand in solidarity with immigrant communities. And a really substantive way you can do that is by volunteering to help or you to get involved both for the sake of the asylum seekers and to know the, the substantive support that you're able to offer. Great. Well, thank you very much, Sarah Brennan and Allison Griffith from the Refugee and Immigrant Program of the Advocates for Human Rights for taking the time to speak with us today. And this has been an Immigration Advocates Network podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much.